this interview, I'm going to be interviewing the one and only Sean Fitzgerald from Ireland. Sean is a very accomplished Celtic artist and pretty much stands alone within the scene and within the culture. He's a wonderful guy and uh, I really enjoyed recording this with him. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it too. So, let's do it. get into this sean it's wonderful to have you here how are you doing not too bad it's good to good to meet you sean you too, yeah you? not too bad i mean obviously we were hoping to have met in person by now but with everything that's happened that hasn't happened yet but i know yeah uh, kind of strange days <laughs> yeah well well that's the thing is first of all i just want to say you know well welcome to northern, the northern fire collective and it, you know, it's wonderful to have you uh, on board with the project because I, you know, uh, Brock's not here for this one, but, you know, I mean, Brock, especially, you know, with us doing Celtic Art as well, we are really big fans of what you do. It's really impressive stuff. Oh, listen, it's only an honor. Like, um, to be honest with you, I, you know, the way you, you have pages you go to, to inspiration. Um, <laughs> all the artists of Northern Fire, they're all there, just bookmarked. Uh, so yeah, like Jeepers, the, the honor's mine, really, you know. But thanks, Sean. Oh, my pleasure. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, well, you know, the idea of the project is to just try and bring, you know, um, people together, you know, of like-minded stuff, of, uh, you know, uh, and all that sort of thing. So as you know, I'm really into Celtic stuff as well. Um, I would say that personally, I I mean, I, I love Irish mythology and, and the art that's come up out of the ground and you know um, and all that from the archaeology but i know more about the welsh stuff personally mm. so so to see what you do with the irish side is it's uh you know it's really really cool i so, can say um, the same back to you sean <laughs> <laughs> i i'm not too up on the welsh stuff i wish i was though i have read it but i'm not going to pretend i'm i i have any great knowledge um so it's great seeing the stuff that you're posting too you know brilliant oh, thanks man but that's the thing like uh you know it's it's sort of wonderful to see sort of the other side of it because you know there's there's two sides of the Celtic coin, isn't there? You know when it comes to Britain or the British Isles, should I say? You know you've got the, the the P branch of the Celtic language and the Q branch. Obviously, I'm on the the P branch with Welsh, um, and you know I, I, Ireland is more on the Q. So an example of this for for people at home is let's say uh, yeah uh, the second name uh, you have um like my second name is Parry. And that comes from Map Harry or Son of Harry, and 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 in Scottish that would be like Mac Harry. Uh, same here. It would be my, my name in in Irish uh, Fitzgerald would be Mac Garlt, Mac Son of, yeah, yeah. Nick Daughter of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Uh, like, there's lots of comparisons, really, that you could go into um, on the Scottish language. Um, to very much the Ulster spoken Irish, um, you would have, uh, there's such a strong link of people just through, um, I suppose, like uh, it would be through agriculture, I suppose, um, people from here going over to do the harvest season in Scotland. And of course, then there's great links then between Ulster and Scotland. So the language has become 
would say you'd have a lot of Irish speakers up here who wouldn't know the who wouldn't be good with the Irish spoken in Munster or down down the country, but would understand Scots Gaelic. You know, yeah. it's um yeah, it's it's like considering there's only three dialects, we're still having there's a lot of uh differences, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the same with Wales in that sense that I don't I doubt the difference is as big, but the uh, the difference in you know the Welsh in North and South Wales, um, I think the South Walians find it more difficult to understand, you know, as in the North with our uh, extra sounds and so on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's move on to uh, some of like what you do then with uh, with with your work because you know as as I said I see you focusing a lot on the Irish mythology and the characters within that. So so what is it that got you into it all? Um, what got me into it, uh, Sean, I, I, I suppose as kids, I, like you see, I, I would imagine it's very similar to, to Wales um, in that like we grew up with a lot of the characters, you know, it, depending on the teacher you'd have in school. Um, so our heroes would have been Finn McCool and Cú Cullen, um, so we kind of admired them the way you would admire the Lone Ranger or, or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. They were very strong. Um, so we'd say then as a kid, uh, um, we'd say traveling to certain places, you know, you'd hear the different stories. So I, like, I wouldn't have realized it at the time, you know, I wouldn't have realized because there were just other kind of characters, you know, that, that you read stories of. Um, but I, I suppose like growing up in, as a kid in the seventies, it would have been like a real push on, on, um, reclaiming a lot of these things. And then you'd artists like Jim Fitzpatrick coming out with like Lou of the Silver Arm, things like that. Um, and he really, he kind of, he reinvented it for a new generation, you know, of, um, the Celtic art that is, um, so like, by the time in the 80s, um, you know, you had a, anyone who kind of was into drawing and stuff in school, they all, everyone loved Jim Fitzpatrick, everyone. Um, and of course, there was the connection, you know, music, Tin Lizzy and all that. But by the time I was going to, when I was trying to get into art college, when I was leaving school, I remember my teacher saying, leave out all that stuff. You're not going to get in. Do not <laughs> say you like Jim Fitzpatrick. You know that's 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 illustration. You know you 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 aim for fine art and stuff like that. But um, to I was told to exactly the same to, sort of stuff. Yeah. Sorry. I was told exactly the same stuff, and well, look at us now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, you see, I knew there'd be a lot of similarities. Um, why? What? What would you have grown up on certain heroes in in Wales, like, and who would they have been? Absolutely. So, well, I didn't. I suppose I I, I wouldn't have. Uh, been so consciously aware of it at the time but um obviously one of the biggest ones is king arthur i'm yeah. merlin or Merthyn, as uh, as we as i would call him um taliesin and um bran vendigate you know so sort of the same sort of stuff really and was it pushed in schools like or would it depend on your teacher well i've been thinking about this a lot recently actually so uh, my secondary school um, was Craven, and there was always Celtic arts around. But, but funnily enough, in the hallway uh, where we'd have to wait before going into class, uh, 
uh, in the hallway before going into the to art class, there was a Celtic dog on the wall, and it was a classic, you know, say Booker Kells type one, right. with a, with a tail that went into that well that phallic sort of leaf shape. Yeah. Uh, so I'd, I'd really like to try and get a copy of it if it's still on the wall, but um, uh, I don't think anyone necessarily told me not to do it. But um, until I got to university, and then people were like, "No, no, no." This is mm. not. This is not the direction you should be going in. <laughs> but uh, and you thankfully, think, was I ignored it seen them. As old-fashioned? Do you think that's where they were telling you don't go that direction, or what was the thinking? Do you think? Well, personally, I. So I've had some really amazing art teachers over the years, uh, especially from when I went to Chandrasekhar uh, College, just up the road or up the road from here. Um, Amanda and Robin were really supportive of everything that I did they you know they gave like little tweaks but they they didn't try to push me in any direction and and so they were you know in in my eyes good teachers where a lot of teachers sadly are going more in the direction of I hate to say it but there's a lot of failed artists out there that want Mm. to see they want to turn you into what they wanted to become and they want to push you down the road that they wanted they want to see you go down like parents so, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a strange like i do think um like the, I, I was chatting to you know where uh, the artist celtic artist courtney davis yeah um i hung out with him on um like he, he he published the book you know the my book the my Jura book and so he told me he cool, said, Look, come way. on down and just hang out for a couple of days and yeah. you know you're kind of I had that kind of almost that star trucks, a star struck thing where you're kind of got very quiet and you're like, Oh God, he's just going to think them, you know, um, <laughs> but he was just so relaxed and stuff. But um, he was telling me, he said like, it seems to go in waves. So we'll say he started out kind of in 77 and there was this big wave of kind of Celtic and Viking. And then he said that went into the early eighties, then it disappeared. And he says, that, no, this is what he was saying. I'm pretty sure he said, no, it's like the third wave. That this is the third <laughs> wave coming in. And he said, like, shows like Vikings and things like that, they're, they're pushing this new interest. And then that interest will expand into like either Celtic or like a continuation of like kind of say Norse culture or whatever. Um, which was interesting, you know, to hear from him of like, kind of like, all right, okay. I, I suppose like anything, you know, like, fashion or whatever and then you'll just have your people who kind of stick with it because they like it too you know you know are passionate about it absolutely that's the thing isn't it like uh all of the the viking norse thing is um it's a step ahead of the celtic stuff at the moment because of the show vikings mm. and well i personally feel like it's a blessing and a curse because I want people to be as interested in Celtic as they are in Nordic because that's where I am. For me, it's, you know, I, I, I like history. I like art all the way, you know, through different periods and so on. Mm. So, because, uh, you know, a lot of people think that I'm, I'm going to have a bias to one or the other. And I really am pretty much split down the middle because I find them both just as fascinating. Um, I just get frustrated that people can sometimes just be like, Viking, Viking, Viking. You're like, yeah. well, even in Scandinavia, there's a lot more to history than just Vikings. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, 
my my interest yeah you could say oh it's celtic and i suppose that's what you see but the, like the things cross over so much you know and like if you like let's say viking not work you know it would be very strange if you didn't like celtic not work <laughs> you know yeah. they, like the similarities are huge you know so um yeah but i suppose like like anything you know people um kind of i suppose if they get into something it's like that that's it like music you know what i mean it's kind of like right i am into reggae and nothing else or i'm into punk or, or whatever it might be and it's just hey people who just like you know bits and pieces of everything don't you you know what i mean it's um art is much the same i think you know yeah especially when it comes to um uh when it comes to what we're talking about because i sat down once and i tried to i was i set uh, with the mission of writing a blog on the differences in between Celtic and Nordic art. And it didn't take me long to sort of realize that it should be more of the similarities uh, that I should be pointing out because, you know, when it comes down to it, there's not actually that, th th there's obviously some big differences, but you could say that it's, you know, the, the whole, uh, the art form in general is like a language, but it's, it's almost like a different dialect, like we're talking about the difference in, in between Irish and Celtic. Mm. If I was to talk Welsh now, and uh, and um, uh, do you speak Irish? Uh, I'm terrible at Irish. I, I live yeah. in the Gwaeltoc, but um, I'm from, this is always my excuse, I'm from the south originally, the very south Cork. We have a completely different dialect, so I would have... I would have worked with a lot of uh, native speakers uh, when I used to be a Cork builder. Yeah. Um, and then I moved to the center of Ireland and Dublin. <laughs> Didn't speak any Irish for like, I lived there for about 10 years. And I'm, I've been here 16 years. And like where I work is on a farm, it's mainly native speakers. Um, yeah. So I'm terrible. Like the, I'll give you an example. Okay, so I'm trying to think. So um, we'll say down the country in Cork, where I'm from, we would say, Conasitatu, um, how are you? Up here, they'd say, Gajemaratatu. And there's like words of like, um, there's just different pronouncing like the whole time. Like you could, like yeah. you could read it the same. Um, but yeah, my, I kind of do the kind of token, like kind of, uh, you know, Majingwa, like lovely day, that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> weather kind of stuff but other than that no i'm not too good what, what about yourself and, and welsh yeah i'm i'm um well i'm not like first language as such i did all of my all of my education in welsh first language so um only had like an hour of english a week so um wow. my my welsh is uh you know if i was to to, to try and conduct myself in a in a, in a court of law <laughs> i wouldn't necessarily have the the vocabulary for it but i can get through general stuff mm. um day to day like what's been lovely over lockdown is that um well with the with the welsh lockdowns and stuff i've ended up getting the chance to to meet a lot more welsh people and to to, to conduct my my sessions um just purely in welsh which is really really nice Brilliant. um but what I was going to say, though, what you were saying in Irish, I, I have no idea, like of uh, of what it is that you're actually saying there, because that's the thing is, uh, you know, we were saying about the similarity in between the language, in some ways, but in other ways, it's completely foreign, isn't it? Hmm, um, yeah, and I think that that's um, 
But that but what's really interesting is so so Brock speaks Irish. Um and so uh while we're we're working away in the studio, you know, we'll come across a couple of words every now and then and you know, say like, oh what, what's that in Irish or what's that in Welsh? And it's surprising how how often we do find where the common denominator. And sometimes that's just because it's proto-Indo-European. But other times it's because it is a little bit later and you know we can we can we could probably say very basic sentences and understand each other on on a few things, but it's really hard. Yeah, but that, that's interesting though. Cause I didn't know there'd be too many uh, common words, to be honest with you. You know, because I look at Welsh, and now again, I'm not good at Irish, but um, it looks so different, you know, uh, as as a written language, uh, and even the sounds, you know. Mm. Um, but I I think even what we're what we're both doing, it's great to have a knowledge of um, language like that. In that, um, you find out things like. The, there's one recently, and it's um, the word, it's um, grain clock, right? So that's the Irish word for quartz. But if you, um, like quartz stones, but if you directly translate that, it's sunstone. So wow. then, like, when you link into um, ancient sites, like locally here, we have um, a stone, it's like a Oh, it's, it's like a boulder, right? It's a, it's a massive, big, white quartz boulder. And it's just down the road here from where I live. And they've put it on a big concrete plinth, I suppose. Um, and I think I saw uh, it on your Instagram. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I do post about it a lot because it's, it's very interesting that there's a lot of history behind it. Because like, it comes into, we'll say, the first... Like, when I look out my window here, there's Tory Island. So that's the first place mentioned in in ancient irish manuscripts it's the first place mentioned um and on there is like balor of the evil eye the fomorians and it's this kind of darker part of mythology um so like um people love talking about kind of lou and stuff and that's all good you know because it's all this light and kind of real positive i suppose but you know you're gonna have you know they have both have to exist you know um, so then Tory, like, even when you're out there, you know, they, they, it's not something they brag about in their tourism, you know, because it's this darker thing, even though everybody knows, like, it's a very well-known story, but getting back to the sunstone. So it's a stone down here. This it's like, it's a massive white quartz stone. Um, and that is where Balor, um, would say there's Lou Lava, the Lou of the long arm. He would be, uh, he'd be kind of like. Maybe the the god of light here. Uh, if you're familiar with them, and um, we'll say yeah, he's uh, called a uh, in in Welsh mythology. Of course, and it would be Lug, wouldn't it? There is it. Or? Well, uh, I I guess, but in Welsh it Welsh is Hey which means um, like Hey of the dexterous hand. Oh, fantastic! Oh, Jesus, yeah. lovely to do that. Now. And yeah, there's a really interesting story behind it as well. Okay, okay, we have to get into this then. <laughs> okay, so here, right, so in, in our mythology here, Lou would have been born on Tory Island. And the story is, um, it was prophesied that his grandfather, um, Balor of the Evil Eye, that his um, grandson would kill him. So uh, Balor had one daughter, Etna, and 
uh, he locked her in a tower and they said this like a glass tower and then it could be a quartz tower and it's always on mm. with the light from the tower. So you're going back again to the language thing of like, is it the sun? Is it quartz? Is it, you know, is this... Anyway, um, it's... Um, so anyway, um, this guy, a local guy, Kean, he went over... Like, I'll try and cut the story very, very short. Yeah. But it, it's um, basically... Um, Kean fell in love with Ballard's daughter, we'll say. She fell pregnant. Ballard came over to the mainland and cut Kean's head off on this massive quartz stone. Um, and we'll say there's a, a natural rustic line on the top that they'd say is the blood of Kean. Um, this wow. stone, getting back to uh, language, the sunstone, we'll say in, in uh, a lot of sites, they would say that there is quartz stone, that it's like a sort of a life energy. And people would like, now this, this is all theory, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's like there was this idea of that you would hit quartz together because they'd find different shards of quartz to create like a spark. Um, yeah, it makes like white lights, doesn't it? Nice. Yeah. And so then when they were burying bodies here, they would put in like three to four pieces of quartz so then the thinking is here like we know this stone in mythology but then there is also the thinking of like it's a sun stone it probably probably represented like this a pagan place like a pagan identity for this area um like i know is there is there some um is it a well somewhere in wales where you put in quartz that it, it for against disease or it's some sort of belief or am i right now i'm not sure about that um, I'm not I'm not so sharp on on that, but I would. This is leading me to think about there's a stone circle on on the the closest stone circle on the mountain here is up in Pemmamawr, Maini Hirion, and um, they call it the Druid Circle now in English. And a writ well, they they know from excavating it that all inside the circle was all lined with a bed of quartz originally. Wow! So that's kind of interesting, but. Obviously, that's it's very old, but you know, like a lot of these ideas do run down through the centuries, don't they? So, yeah, who knows? It's, but I don't know about the well, though. Yeah, no, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I have heard of the shards being found at megalithic sites in Wales as well, but I couldn't tell you what ones. I like I read it somewhere, you know. Um, I'll look it up. But it is interesting. So then, going back to uh, Lou or Lug, the what, what did you say is his name in Welsh? Okay. And what is, what, like, do, is it a similar story of his birth and that, or? Uh, no, no, it's a bit, it's a bit different. Yeah. Um, so again, long story short, in, in Welsh, in, in the Welsh mythology, the, the Mabinogion, as it's known, um, the Mabinogion is, is the, the name that was given to in the 17th century for the collection of all the stories together. Um, long story short, there's two wizards one of them's a, a wizard king, and uh, he's called Math, and there's his friend Gwydion. Uh, Gwydion hatches, well, Gwydion's cousin wants to sleep with Math's virgin handmaiden because Gwydion is, sorry, Math is immortal as long as he has his feet in the lap of, uh, of a virgin when he's not at war. So, so uh, this, uh, this kid convinces uh, Gwydion to take Math off to war. So they go down to South Wales 
and they end up stealing a load of magical pigs off uh, off a king. <laughs> they they swap them for a, what they for a load of other animals that they have constructed out of magic. They're actually made of mushrooms, I believe. And uh, the, 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 the magic wears off, and then this king from uh, I can't remember the name of the kingdom. But he chases them up Wales, and they stop off in three towns along the way. And those three towns are now known as Mochtra, or Pigtown. Brilliant. And then, yeah. And then when they get to the top, uh, they 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 set a trap for him, and and uh, Gwydion kills kills this uh, this king with a magical enchanted axe. Uh, and anyway, Math gets back and found out that his handmaiden is l- no longer a hand, uh, you know a virgin. So Gwydion puts forward his sister, and Math says he puts his his, uh, his magic wand or staff or whatever it is on the ground, and tells her to walk over it and says, "If you are a virgin, like you, you know you are claiming to be, everything's going to be fine. If you are not a virgin, something's going to happen." <laughs> so she, what does she do? <laughs> she steps. She steps over this wand or staff, and. It's quite gross, but the story goes that a ball of throbbing meat falls out of her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, she just runs off in terror and shame. And Gwydion gets this, uh, this, this ball of meat and puts it in a magical chest. And the next day, he opens the chest and a boy is born inside it. And that's, uh, that's Kay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like and then he has a really hard time uh, after that, because his mum keeps putting curses on him to to try and to try and stop him from becoming a, a renowned uh, person, I guess, to hide her shame. So she curses him not to ever be able to bear arms, and uh, Gwydion manages to trick trick her into giving him uh, uh, a knife and fork to eat with, and then another time she curses him. Uh, what is that? Three curses. She, I think she curses him not to have a name. That's it. And she accidentally, when he's in disguise, she refers to him as the boy with dexterous hands. Uh, so that's how he got his name there. And the third curse is sadly the, the, the most tragic. She curses him never to be loved by a mortal woman. So they construct... Uh, Gwydion contacts her, you know, he sends a message over email to to uh, Math and says, look, the mum's done, put a terrible curse, we need to do something about it. So they construct, um, they construct a woman out of honey and flowers in a cauldron. And she's immortal, so she's basically, you know, nature incarnate. And she's known as um, Bloddeeth. So, uh, yeah, so they try to make make a woman for him but of course it doesn't work out but that's another story yeah fantastic story and yeah. again completely different but like they that like i've read that will say um sorry i keep on referring him to as lou but the, the cult of lou is like spread there's a theory that uh london mm. lou dung have you ever heard that one and then leon is yes. actually off lou as well yeah but it's like I've heard bits and pieces about this, yeah. So in Welsh, we call belief. London Hindine, so Hin as well is also quite close. I'm not quite sure on what it yeah. means, but there's there's a common 
sort of sound in it, isn't there? It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. But I, this is again going back to language, like to have that no- knowledge of of Welsh or Irish is um, it's a great benefit for when you're reading into this, isn't it? Like, um, mm. um, like I, I would love to have more of a knowledge of the um, older Irish, you know, um, which is kind of I don't know. Like again, I ask native speakers, but the older Irish is so different. They're kind of like, no, yeah. I wouldn't know. Um, so like I, it's kind of I don't know. Like, you, do you find you go to the same sources? So if anyone is listening to this for for older Irish, I I always like there's um, it's a story art story. What is it? Story archaeology, and it, and it's um, one uh, is like they, yeah, well, so they they have a great knowledge of older Irish, so they will do translations of some of the older stories. Uh, well worth checking out. Like, yeah. Nice. That sounded like an ad, but you know, I know people listening to this and be like, "Oh yeah, they'll be looking for sources like that," you know, like like I do. Yeah, I do the same with the Welsh. Um, I've, you know, if anyone's listened to me talking about this before, they'll know that they'll they'll hear me mention it. But um, the Gadodhin, uh was uh, the Gadodhin is a really good source for looking at Old Middle Welsh as well. And that's it's a battle praise poem from the Old North or the Hernogleth from when uh, by Caered in uh, Edinburgh, sorry, uh, was a part of the Welsh. Uh, you can't say it was the Welsh kingdom, but it was it was culturally, you know, more towards towards that. Mm. Um, and they uh, they spoke the same language at the time. And that's a really good source for. Old Welsh, Old Middle Welsh, in that sense as well. It's also um, it's uh, the first mention of Arthur as well, towards the end of the poem. Oh. And uh, there's this one warrior at the end of it. He gets referred to as being he's a bastion in battle, uh, and he's supposed to be amazing, and he's holding his ground against the Northumbrians, um, who, who supposedly against it could also be them fighting. Uh, against other, like, you know, another sort of Celtic tribe. Anyway, this guy is referred to as being nearly as good as Arthur. Not quite, but nearly. <laughs> Excellent. And yeah. where, like, did you, um, when did you get your interest in a lot of this, Sean? Did you start reading up to when you were a teenager? or? Oh, I, I was the same. I grew up with it just as a kid, all around me. Mm. Um, so I grew up on, on a mountain in Llandidno my hometown called the great orm so it has the the orm comes from yorm meaning like worm or serpent in norse it's one of the few places in wales that has a scandinavian name and in welsh it's um it's called the gogarth uh, which could have you know it's a, sort of the idea of a, a bear a cave and uh, look, looking over the hill there's you know ruins of ancient castles all around and stories of everything so I, I, I literally grew up with it. So really? just, I just carried on embracing it. You know, I think that, you know, that's the thing is most people when they grow up in, uh, around here, they'll usually just end up getting swept away with, uh, modern culture, more of the idea of what's coming over from America and, um, pop culture in England and stuff, I guess. Yeah. You can't, yeah. There is pop culture in Wales as well, but it's, it's not, it's not as cool, sadly. So I like to go further back. Yeah. 
that's not for me dissing modern Welsh culture. I don't mean that. It's just, of course, you know, yeah, yeah. We all have. It's just not interest. so much of it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Actually, where I am as well, um, the county is Donegal. It's actually a Viking name. It's uh, it means fort of the foreigners. Yeah. Wow. So there's a huge impact here in the. Like I, I suppose because it's the Gaeltacht, people mainly speak about just the whole Irish thing. But there's a huge Viking influence, even on our boat making, everything like this. Uh, now my interest would be in older kind of Irish. Um, or she have you've coracles as well in, in Wales, don't you? So yeah, coracles and corps. Yeah. Um, but with said, I recently would... just looked into the the origin of the word coracle, and oh, apparently, it, well. Apparently, it is actually a Welsh word that got anglicised. So the original word for it is uh, "kurugul." Oh, and yeah. is there is there a meaning behind it, or is it just that is the <laughs> word? Like, well, Brock was having a go at me for this because I said, "Well, kuru is is beer in Welsh, so it's just got the G L on the end, like kurugul." Um, I don't know if it has any links to that, but of course, yeah. you know, my first thought is to think of it the idea of a drunken boat. <laughs> who knows <laughs> i will i don't don't take my uh, my word as fact on that but yeah uh, that's interesting yeah um because well this is it I, like I, I you know along with the interest of of kind of celtic uh culture and that uh i to me it went like i i um the boat building became a big thing i i went to our college and i i dropped out of it really i, I it wasn't my cup of tea at all like if you yeah. veered away from anything, you know, I was doing fine art, so it wasn't like illustration or anything. So you veered away from anything that wasn't. Um, I used to go into a bit of illustration. They'd say, "No, like, look, this is fine art. You shouldn't be going into that." And I just said, "Sod it." Um, and mm. I left, and I hitched um, around a lot of the UK, and of course, trying to get in Stonehenge, down to Glastonbury, all these different places. And I was there for a good while, but it kind of it made me reassess kind of what I wanted to do. So I went back and I started building um, traditional Irish boats. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Called uh, Navogs, which would be from Kerry. So they'd be like like wooden ribs. And um, like originally they would have been animal skins, but we we're using like tarred kind of uh, heavy can- canvas, you know. Um, and then I, I find it was like, it's like, when when you're there and you work like i'm sure well even more so in a tattoo studio but you would meet like-minded people who will come in and they'll have an interest in the culture like um like i would imagine do you have do you <laughs> i'd imagine like i know it's a weird thing because you're, you're are you still open at the moment are you yeah yeah we are now yeah oh that's brilliant that's brilliant um like would you have a lot of people traveling down who would have a huge interest in norse and celtic culture and Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's wonderful. That's one of the best parts of the job is to meet so many interesting people. It's, well, this is it. I, I, I can't imagine work like where I am. You get, now I work, I work full time on this. It's like a community vegetable farm, but you have people who'd, who'd like work in there and that have like studied Celtic studies, all these different things, mm. mainly because of where we live. It's the Gaeltuck. So it's that constant Irish kind of thing. You get some great information on, again, going back to language, stuff like that, you know. Do you find a lot of the stuff, the people coming into your studio would influence your work in conversations and that? Yeah, well, well, that's, um, 
that's one of the things is when I'm, when I'm tattooing, it's always a collaboration. And it's a collaboration veered more towards what they want. So I try as much as I can to take my myself out of it or my interest and to just be a catalyst more for for what they want because they're the ones that are living with it on them forever. Mm. Well, not forever, <laughs> but, you know, just, uh, just until the end. And um, so I... I want to, I, obviously I do my best to apply my very, the very best of my skills to, to their ideas. Um, because like say, yeah, yeah, because that's, that's, that's the main goal for me. Uh, I, I've, I've witnessed lots of tattooers that are very much just completely ego driven by what they want to do there and then. And the person is just a, you know, a flesh canvas for them. Whereas I, I, I really feed off, when I'm tattooing, I really feed off like that whole thing of like working with someone on their ideas uh, to make it personal to them. And because it's, it's really, um, it brings a lot of uh, an element of chaos into the work, which is really nice because it keeps it fresh and exciting. And then when I do my projects outside of tattooing, that's when it is just me going, uh, you know, full idiot on my ideas and expressing myself and what my interests. Uh, yeah. yeah. And like, so do you find when people are contacting you for tattoos, do they kind of know what they want or do they go, I want like a representation representation from this story or that story or how does it normally work? Because if you're very different than a lot of other tattoos, you know, people like, <laughs> yeah. it's a flash on the wall or whatever it might be, you know? I would say that it goes into a few different categories. So it really is, it seems to be one in one in a hundred, I would say, that, that people come and they just say, you have complete free reign, do whatever you want. Wow. And then there's going to be a few more that'll say, you have free reign as long as it's Celtic or as long as it's Nordic. Um, and then there's, you know, and then it goes into sort of subdivisions after that. But there's obviously most, the, the, the common theme is people usually want to, have something that's personal to them, uh, just done in you know particular styles or so on. And like I say, I'm, I'm I, I love that aspect of of working with people to see you know to bring their ideas to life and you know. And uh, it's really cheesy to say, but to get to the end of projects and to see the whole things finished and you know to see their ideas as well as my own uh, influence in it come to life is wonderful. Yeah, of course. And how how did you meet up with Brock and all that? Like, how did the how did the studio start? Because like I like I know a lot from just kind of reading about it, but it's kind of how, what's its origins? Like, did did you start off as a kind of a normal studio? <laughs> <laughs> what, what way did it start? Or did you kind of go right? We're going to do this kind of studio like this. It's you know. Well, uh, long story short, uh, I started tattooing ten years ago, and in the beginning, I did sort of approach it. I actually approached tattooing, drawing freehand, and trying to veer towards more towards Celtic and Nordic designs. I was pretty much doing the same thing I'm doing now. Then, definitely to a lower standard, <laughs> but you know that's the way I was working. And then I completely got swept away for a few years doing the whole, um, the uh, the normal tattoo thing. I was doing dream catches and full color realism portraits and so on. 
and then after a few years i because when i did that i i was focusing on learning how to tattoo and i didn't really i would tell people openly i don't know if this is good or bad because it I, you know it's not my thing but if you're happy with it then that's cool and obviously i would apply my the very best of myself to that but i was mainly focusing on trying to do the very best uh, machine work that i could and then i you know i learned to tattoo and then i i had a bit of a i started to go more towards what i wanted to do and then i i realized it was a fantastic idea to stop advertising that i could even do anything else and only show the work that i like doing and then that started to spiral in the direction that uh, that I'm in now. And uh, yeah, I ended up. Um, I got asked if I wanted to, to go work in a shop abroad, and I I followed all of that path for a while, and I ended up working insane hours. My whole life was just work, 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 and that's where I guess I started to really forge everything. And uh, I came back to the UK. Uh, so, you know, because for a long time I just went under the name Sean Parry Art, and then I decided I should. I wanted to have something else that was, you know, less egotistical, and because I, I, that was not really what I was thinking in the first place. But you know, it was just that was just the first idea uh, what it should be, and then I wanted it to be something, you know, more in keeping with the work. Yeah. So then, Sacred Knot was born about three or four years ago, I guess. And and then I I, uh, I actually asked Brock and Gloria um, if they wanted to come and work in the shop um, because I really respected their work. I really respect them as individuals as well. And uh, I yeah, so that's that's basically it. That's good. So just three years is that all? Were you yeah. been really focusing on that, like? That's incredible, really, when you think well, about it. Well, well... I know I've you've been, been, like, a major long background before that in, you know, drawing and that, but... Wow. Oh, the uh, the Celtic and the Nordic work I've been specialising for the past, I'd say, past six or seven years. I'm right. not doing anything else but that. But the shop has only existed for that time. I get you. I get you. Okay. Wow. Yeah. But still, though, you know, as a, as, a, as a shop, that's, you know, you've certainly achieved a lot, like, you know... Even oh, now the Northern <laughs> Fire as well now LinkedIn as well you know it's, it's amazing yeah yeah and well it's um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> well uh, the idea of the podcast is 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 to try and bring um, attention to the best parts of Northern Fire uh, you know when when uh, because I I came up with the idea with Brock and Duncan uh, especially. And the idea is uh, to to basically try and bring the best of of uh, to bring out the best in everyone and to share that with the world and to be able to support each other along the way. Mm. Um, because, uh, well, I think that I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people out there that um, are really like well they are just capitalising on artists. Artists aren't always the best people to be to be. Um, sharing themselves uh, i know that i really i really uh, struggled for a long time as an artist and not as a businessman or anything else to to really forge a career so the idea is that with non fiber we can you know it's an artistic collective and we can also if you know um raise each other up along the way 
it's it's fantastic um like for me uh again um like i live in the middle of nowhere and it's kind of yeah the internet opens it up but i'm, I'm useless at that kind of side of things so it, it, it's lovely to be linked in with all these other artists from all over um yeah. you know it's it's a you know it's a fantastic thing really yeah. um but that is I, a cr- incredible isn't it how the internet has changed uh has changed art oh yeah absolutely yeah like there's there's other artists like there's great celtic artists around the country you know who who's still not really on the internet there's a guy here um in donegal uh john quigley and he's been doing celtic art for years and he used to you know our the well-known irish celtic artist is jim fitzpatrick and john used to uh color jim fitzpatrick's paintings so no way. at one point, Jim was just so busy. He had two people working for him. Uh, I think it was John Quigley and Jeff Adams Fitzpatrick, I, I think. And, and they would do the coloring and stuff, um, which is fascinating. But John, he's he's on Instagram. But he's a handful of, po- of followers because he, he hardly ever posts. You know, it's just like there'd be a post, I don't know, like it could be about six posts there. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Maybe there's more than that. But uh, it's kind of yeah. It's like it's like you say. It's it's kind of having that collective where we're going to promote each other. You know, it's it's important. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Because that's the thing is, that especially within Celtic art, there's so few people that that actually practice it really. Mm. You know, and are trying to bring out the elements that um, you know that deserve the attention. Obviously, not workers. Well, you know. I, I love it enough to call to call my shop after it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, but, that, but that's the thing as well is that the spiral work is incredible and the key patterns are out of this world. And it, and the and the zoomorphog uh, the zoo the, the, yeah, the animal I know, patterns uh, the, within it. <laughs> the animal patterns. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so so it's wonderful to see people that are actually practicing this and that's what one of the things i love about your work is that you do put in the keys and stuff because most people normally just focus on the knots which is uh you know you're only getting part of the story then mm. well to, to be honest you know when i was doing the the book um courtney when he, courtney said to me uh, that he published my book he has only ever published his own work and uh, for me that was huge because again like it opened me up to more people but he, it was meant to be a portfolio book, but uh, I couldn't. I, I, it was like, there's all these stories go with each one. And he's like, if you, you know, he was saying to me, you know, as advice, as like kind of one artist to another, he said, like, you're going to miss all the summer market. You know what I mean? That you should just get it out. And I was like, I can't release them as drawings on their own. Because they, they yeah. to, to me, they made no sense. They, they had to have the story behind them. So I spent months that now I had though when I first started the book is like it's well it's ten years ago. Um so I had chapters completely written and you know, just rough drafts, but it was just I there'd, there'd be some, you know yourself, there's some that you can release and there it is, it's peace on its own and you don't have to know anything about it. But it's the story is there's it's just gives it so much more, doesn't it? Like, you know. Um Absolutely. Because th- that's the inspiration to it, you know. Um, I don't know. Um, it, yeah, it's kind of um, 
trying to think. There's like there's some there's one that's really interesting me interested me in the last while, and that is uh, uh, race. So it's like in in mythology in Irish mythology, the Fomorians. Now again, now this is written by monks, so a lot of this is kind of linking it into biblical stuff. But yeah. they said like the Fomorians were a dark skinned and. Then the word, uh, I think some were meant to be black. And then I like, as I'm drawing them, going, okay, I'm going to try and bring in, like, as I think there's such a rise of the right wing at the moment. And yeah. it's not like that everything you do has to be political, but I just thought it'd be interesting to explore it. Um, and that, but my fear is when you're bringing in the Fomorians being black, and then the two of the Dan and being white, you're nearly turning it into this race thing. But then the more you read about it is they're all intermarried anyway. So there'd be an all yeah. you know. Um, it's something I want to explore more. Like I, I know there, there's um, um, there's like any time you talk about stuff like this, it's like, ah, oh, you're being political. And it's like, I'm, I'm not being political. It's just, this is the way it is. And we like a lot of our designs that we know are very kind of Aryan looking characters. And now there's nothing wrong with that in that, yeah, a lot of these characters were white skinned. Um, but yeah, I think it is good to, you know, I can only speak for kind of Irish myths and, and, and folklore. Um, but a lot of these characters were also mixed, you know? So mm. it's something I want to explore, but it's kind of, I want to be careful with it. You know what I mean? Because, it could be just, you know, yourself and the internet, it could be just taken up wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, like the Etna character I did, I did that years ago, and Etna was always described um, no, uh, as like blonde and white. And I thought, well, you know, she was very much, I, I'd never read of any, like we'd say the Fomorians would have been on Tory Island for 200 years. So they came here, they were almost like pirates. Uh, they landed in and then they were there and they never mixed onto the island for like 200 years and then they started raiding these are the stories so I kind of I went the Etna I drew I went for just more darker features and no one ever said anything so I'm trying to explore a bit more of that even though uh, the majority are all described as kind of blonde or you know <laughs> it's always like gonna I don't know uh, but it, again I don't know where the I, I don't know. I went a bit on a ramble there, Sean. I think I don't know where all that came from. No, no, it's very yeah. interesting. I, I, I think exactly the same stuff with my work as well. It's um, it's, it, it infuriates me the the pol the polarism within it all. Like either if if you lean slightly left, you get called a Marxist. If you're on the right, then you, you know then yeah, as you know because I I um. When it comes to all of this stuff, I think it's more interesting to consider all angles and not to be, you know, just on like one place or the other, hmm. um, especially more towards the right. That's not my thing, you know, because you know, we, you know, we'll talk about Irish stuff now. Um, yeah, the, the, there isn't the writings about the darker skinned people, and there's certainly some evidence to back it, back that sort of stuff up, uh, like in the archaeology as well. You know, you've got to wonder, like, say, in the Isle of Man. Um, it's obviously not Ireland, but the 
you know, the, the people there, the, I will call them the Celts in the middle, you know, early uh, medieval period, they believed that there was um, fairies that lived there before them. I'm not sure if they said that they were darker skinned or not, but they said they were fairies. Mm. And they were finding arrowheads in the ground that, you know, that they were just, they were from people that lived in the Stone Age and so on. So who knows of what, um, you know, people could have been like before their new populations moved in and stuff. And especially, this is my point, what I was going to get to, when you look at the, um, the Bronze Age stuff in Ireland, a lot of the jewellery there does look more African. They literally have weighted, yeah. stretched ears and the big That's, plates that yeah. they, they still have in Africa. And, you know, solid gold. And, I mean, obviously, there's there's no reason why you'd say, like, oh, well, you know, they were just white, that just were, you know, culturally more African in that sense or whatever. But it's, there's no reason why you have to close yourself off to any ideas it's the same sort of thing as like when anyone talks about women doing certain roles in archaeology as well um like the idea of female warriors you're like oh no it's just the stuff of poetry and whatever but you know you should be open to it you know why not yeah like I, even in archaeology it like the, a lot of stuff it changes nearly every 10 years people's opinions yeah. on different things like um and you're right like the the um like like sometimes we think it's almost like this time of great equality and all this. It wasn't like, um, but it's it's good to explore these things, isn't it? Like you know, if anything, they were probably all united a lot more than just united in suffering. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been a dark place in the past, all the way, all the Absolutely. way history. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's good it's good to explore these things, isn't it? Like I, I see. Um, Geez, I've, how many times have I mentioned his name, uh, Courtney Davis? Once again, uh, <laughs> he uh, well, it's just I have chatted to him so much about not work, and that's why I, maybe why I do mention him quite a bit. He um, has mixed in uh, um, like mandalas and all these different things into his not work, and he kind of was going through this phase of just mixing it all, and you're kind of going, Fuck that. like his stuff of like. You see, it's it's kind of hard to explain when you don't have the visual, but he'll have different stones, different kind of, like he'd be a very spiritual kind of person, uh, different things, and he would mix it in with Celtic. And then he'll like, mix in a bit of Norse, and it's like, fuck, you know, it's it's incredible. though. But in saying that, though, my favorite stuff of Courtney's is all his more recent stuff. Since he moved on to Tara Hill, like yeah. which is our that's like our Glastonbury, I suppose. You know, it's it's like it's that's the, the a main point, and his stuff is just so it's just so fucking pagan now. Like it's brilliant. <laughs> There's like lots of antler figures and stuff like this, and you're going, geez, you know. But it, it is it, going back to the point. I mean, it is good to mix up and explore, isn't it? Like, you know, Definitely. I mean, that's that's one of the things. Like when it comes to to uh, to this idea of. Um, so, you know, as, as an artist, I've gone through some different progressions of how I feel towards, you know, Celtic and Nordic art. Um, I went into it with a, first of all, from thinking like, okay, well, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't study the original stuff so much at first. I, I very much went along the lines of just feeling it um, and coming out with what sort of felt I'm stealing Brock's words here. What felt emotionally right towards 
uh, representing Celtic or Nordic stuff, um, which I think is something that's very important to to not lose. But then, and then I, I went more towards just like, no, it has to come from just straight up archaeology and and all of that. And then I ended up looking more into the history as well as the art. And then, like finding, especially with the um, you know the the insular manuscript style, as we'll call it, you know, if you look into that, like you can literally see the progressions of when new ideas were coming into it from the continent, from all of these different cultures. Yeah, like they were completely about finding the best ways of doing things and experimenting. They certainly would have been artists, and there was that would have been very conservative, like you don't do this or that. But you know, just with the fact that you can see, uh, you know, like uh, the Sutton Who stuff, uh, that's, that there's no there's no Celtic influence into that as such. But then that did have an influence into Celtic art after it. And then all of the Viking styles, especially Ernest, that that just fed completely into the, uh, the you know, the, the Celtic stuff and it fed back as well. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I was I was going to get to before is that there are, there are like links with these things and they those artists were up for experimenting. So that's something that people should remember with now as well. This is because we're linked. Like I suppose there was like I think we have this notion that people almost weren't well traveled or something, you know. But we like we were trading all over the place, you know when. Yeah. I didn't like. There's even links with the stories, isn't there, of um, uh, with the Greek stories to some of the well, certainly the Irish mythology. Like I think people link their Apollo. I think no, I'm terrible in Greek mythology <laughs> or so to to Lou uh, and things like this. And it's just like we we were trading, we were constantly traveling. And like when you look at the Vikings and and shipbuilding and travel, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. so we were being influenced from everywhere, you know. Um, so it is. It is a thing to explore. Yeah, exactly. There would have been thousands of lifetimes worth of people doing stuff, and like you say, yeah. traveling, exchanging ideas, telling stories. The whole idea of like a sailor that goes round and can speak a language and tells a story. People don't remember it so well, so they'll try and tell it, and it ends up evolving. And that's how you get all of this crazy stuff. Yeah, it's the same folk thing. music, isn't it? Like, you know, you get yeah. these, it'd be the same air or something, but it's different words. Yeah. yeah. And that is what's, uh, that's one of the things I think is so lovely about, about, uh, about art in general is that art is a language. I don't think that, well, everyone knows this, but I don't think people think about it consciously enough about the fact that it is a language and you are telling a story just by drawing anything or representing stuff. And it is a wonderful way to do it. And that, and that's so, cause I see in your work that you, you, you're on the same sort of mission as me as it's, it's about trying to capture your idea of that feeling of what was going on, but using, you know, the archeology span and the, uh, the historical styles mm-hmm. to, to give it weight. Well, you know what I find, Sean? It's like Celtic art in Ireland um, on the main is you, you're visiting Ireland as a tourist and you walk into certain bigger shops 
and you're going to get a Celtic design and it's going to say Guinness on it. And <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's this completely bastardized thing. And it's always twee. It's always like so fucking twee. It's yeah. like, um, like a lot of the stories are dark. And that doesn't mean like, oh, we have to focus on the dark. We focus on both. Um, but it's almost like, oh, we're not going to mention that or we're not going to mention this. And it's all this very um, bright characters and all. It's, it's just very fake. It's, 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 um, it's the tweeness is, to, is for money. It's for money for tourists. And it just, like, I find it offensive when you see this crap being sold. Um, and it's just, it's absolutely meaningless. Um, and you, I see it a lot even on, uh, I'll get tagged on things because uh, it's Celtic. And it's absolutely, like, I don't really go into it on the internet because I, there's no point in getting into this back and forth and back and forth. Um, but there's an awful, awful lot of shite out there by kind of... I, I agree. I, I'm guessing you're asked as well. I get asked by, like, um, small little companies, nothing major, to do little twee designs. And you kind of... Well, number one, the age-old, they, they expect it done for pittance. Um, but they're always just crap. They're just... There's no... Like, there's stuff... Like, I like the fact... I don't do like I used to be a full time um, artist and it would be more graphic design. I could do my stuff and I had to rely on that. Whereas the the joy of not relying it uh, for my um, full time income is I can be more picky and I can yeah. go no. And and I, I'm not I'm not insulting, but I'll just say oh look I'm I'm busy or look I I can't I don't have the time. But um, it's just some of the stuff. It's just like the Viking stuff. I've been asked to do loads of Viking stuff. I'm I'm not good at Viking stuff. I I mess around with it, you know, but I find because I don't have a great knowledge of it, I find like I'm just I'm just doing this for the sake of selling something. So I find when I've more well a passion about the other stories Celtic Irish mythology that's why I do it, isn't it? And it's it, like you see it when you see an artist, you know when it's just it's it's doing it for the sake of selling something, um, yeah. And it's like you can see that. Yeah, you can. Oh no, I'm going to sound like a lick ass, but you can see it in your work, Sean. You can see it in Brock. You can see it. Okay, I'm going to not name uh, artists on Northern Fire because then it's just like. <laughs> oh, but you know what I mean. You you can see it in a lot of different people's work um, when they. You know, it's it's coming from the heart, like. And yeah. then you can spot the. It's not like hey, spot the fake, but it's just like I don't see why they. Do, well, I do know why they do it. It's just for money. You know, and it's nice to, it's nice to create something when it's not about money. You know, it's so important. Like, you know, I know the world we live in, you know, you need money to survive, but you know, it, it can so destroy stuff. I, I think, Absolutely. I don't know about Wales, but Ireland is destroyed with it, like, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I will say that our equivalent of that, I mentioned King Arthur before. The stories that I grew up with about Arthur are completely different from the Hollywood stuff. You know, and again, the stories of Merlin that we have are not of a wizard with a pointy hat. So so I just tried to ignore all of that side of that too. But but what you were saying about the artist, the art, you know, the artistry, because I, I agree with you completely. And and for anyone out there listening to this, the best thing you can do is to hyper focus on what you love. And if you're any good, 
eventually it will shine. Yeah. And just keep getting it out there and keep keep working and just keep producing and keep believing because like like you know, like you were just saying, Sean, the whole thing of of just doing stuff for money, it does show. Uh and a classic one is that you know, normally people if uh if you're an artist and someone comes in, they will ask to buy something that is the one thing you don't want to part with. The thing that you actually like and you're proud of. You're like, no, no, that one's actually not for sale. But the rest is like, I'm not interested in the rest. I want that one now. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what you pour your soul into. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, yeah. But I, I do think it's, it is growing. I'm, I'm trying to get back to the positive here <laughs> rather than going no, on no. around. Well, but like, like you were saying, though, just like with Celtic Art, there's a light and a dark side and they both should be acknowledged. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully it'll change. Like, I do think even like people visiting countries anymore are far more interested into, we'll say, like indigenous stuff from there, you know, rather than like, you know, here's our fancy hotel, here's your swimming pool and your booze, you know. It's like, I do think, and again, I suppose the internet as well has opened up a lot of that too, you know, so. You know, things are good. It is improving. It yeah, definitely I'm, is. I'm not yeah. that negative, Sean. That's all I'm trying to prove. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I totally agree with you, though. Like, you know, my go-to when I talk about this, because, yeah, I, I see that. And I've seen that in Ireland as well. I haven't been so much, but I've seen it enough. And we have it here as well in our gift shops and things. Like nasty pastel colors terrible not work with the end overs and unders that don't work you know it's <laughs> fucking terrible drives me mad um but you know the the the, the go-to one for me is um what happened to celtic art in the late 90s and tattooing it started off with some some semi good designs just a few pieces that were copied out of the book of Kells. So, you know, some of them and other pieces that were just generally Celtic or whatever. And that sadly went hand in hand with tribal, uh, you know, with spiky tribal. And I think that that's one of the, it's it's still just going to take a little bit of time for people to get over what happened there and that stigma of what they think Celtic art is. And, because something that I'm very interested in is, you know, you know, when when I ask people, I try and, you know, it's difficult because obviously I'm talking to people that already are into it. But when when I I just talk to general people that aren't so much into what we are, and I say, "What's your idea of a Celtic warrior?" You know, they have an idea, and it's usually something pretty cool. It's usually quite influenced by Braveheart, <laughs> but there's, you know, there's it's blue body paint and swirls sort of semi-naked big and muscly with a sword so yeah. they're kind of halfway there you know <laughs> that's what i was saying is emotionally there's there's this idea that's there's something cool to it it just has to be taken a little bit better you know it's, it's the job of artists to try and take it back in the direction of where it deserves to be true true yeah you know yeah. It, it's managed to happen with the nordic stuff uh, you know, Vikings are cool now. Yeah. Celts aren't quite as cool, but maybe they'll get there for better I or worse. I would get there eventually. They'll, they'll yeah. have to do some sort of show. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the thing with them is, uh, you know, for, for, what, for whatever you want to say about the show Vikings, it certainly helped get a lot more people interested in it and to, to go down that path, which is wonderful. Very true, yeah, yeah. Like, um, like to me, I, like I watched it, I couldn't get into Vikings. It took me a while, but I think visually it's it's stunning. It's really good as a visual piece. And I know, like, you could criticize it so much, but as a mm. visual piece, it, like, really really good there's parts yeah. i like and then i kind of i checked them afterwards on the internet of like oh okay all right yeah, yeah. uh just you know just so i'm you know that okay i've got the story all wrong and i'm picturing this character from a tv show but yeah and that's it yeah. and but it's like anything it starts at, like the big one for me in the 80s um we ever a fan of 2000 ad i'm not sure if i've heard it i might have but it's uh sloan do Slain, the yeah. slain is what a lot of people say. Um, is it the the cartoon of Ice and Fire? It's it's well, it'd be a f- similar style, but it, it's 2000 AD was all the Judge Dread stuff. Okay, yeah, and then they have ah the comics, of, yes, yeah, yeah, sorry, I, I have seen the them, yeah. And then it was Slana, and like I remember, like I couldn't always afford it, but I remember just I would be in the shop just staring at this character, going, "This guy is the cool," you know, because. We had that hint of the little tweeness to a lot of the stories where he was just like cutting off heads and you know what I mean? And like he was dealing with all these real dark forces that are in Celtic mythology. And I think it again, like I don't know what kind of that would be the I suppose 80s. And and again, there's another, it's in the last maybe five years, there's a new artist doing it. And stuff like that, like Vikings. It was, I'd say it was a huge influence. Like the stuff I would see in pubs to this day in Ireland, like, you know, it could be a small village pub and you'd see the Celtic um, warrior in it and you'd be like, that's from Slana. That's from like, you know, 1996, whatever it did. Like I bought them all a couple of years ago. I just bought every Slana I could. Like just, um, nice. the artwork is incredible. And the stories are well, like it is, they're based on, but there's great research in it, you know, you can, and that's it. It's like, it inspires, doesn't it? Like, so, um, I don't know. There's, uh, I shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we're not here really to talk about the show Vikings really. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's one of those though. It's, it's current or, you know, slightly current and, uh, it's what is inspiring people. So it's relevant. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, for, for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, the, you know the storyline in Vikings is it's inspired by by uh, the end of what's in the Volsung saga, uh, but sadly the original is better. <laughs> the book is better. <laughs> but, uh, I I got a story for you, Sean. Right, I was up. Um, there's a stone circle here called um, Baltany Stone Circle, like after uh, Baltany, Baltane, and. Um, so it's it's like I think you know they always have these little things, but it's it's meant to be the widest stone circle in Ireland, something like that. But you know, I was going down there with a friend, and like there is so much history behind this place. And this guy, and I'd imagine his partner coming down, they both had like plastic pints in their hands, and they're coming towards us. And he said, uh, "Would you uh, uh, would you mind taking a picture? Yeah, would you mind taking a picture of me and my girlfriend?" And I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, sure, no problem." So he leaned against one side of the stone and she leaned on the other. 
And he said, are you familiar with the show uh, Outlander? And I said, <laughs> no. I had, to, like, I had to check it on YouTube afterwards. And I found we were here at this ancient stone circle, and he's telling me all about this TV show called Outlander. And he's yeah. saying, you should watch it. And I said, do you know anything about this stone circle at all? Like, and uh, he said, no. But I thought I heard I really wanted to visit, visit a, a stone circle here in Ireland, you know, because I'm a baseball outlander. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I suppose it is getting people interested in culture, these different yeah. shows, you know. But that's what's funny, isn't it? Is these are the new folk stories. Yeah, you know, very true. It's, yeah. it's it's um it's obviously one of those it's <laughs> in a world of uh, of you know where it is like literally just breaking bad or or all of that it is it's interesting but it, hopefully it's just a gateway drug yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can that be the quote of the whole interview hopefully it's yeah. a <laughs> <laughs> i think so <laughs> all right i think we're gonna have to cut it uh, we're gonna have to leave it at this because my phone is actually about to die so i want to do this with some sure. dignity <laughs> well listen Sean absolutely great to talk to you and good you too man course. it was wonderful to get to like to you know to put a face to, to the work after all this time oh, cheers and again listen thank you so much and looking forward to the next piece you'll be posting <laughs> oh thank you you too <laughs> and uh, as, as I've already said as soon as we can we, everyone in the shop we're, we're all going to come over and visit you because we all really want to meet you and hang out in person brilliant yeah. Brilliant. You know, the big thing, oh God, I'm still shining out very quickly. I would have loved to have come over for that, uh, what you were doing in that cave. Was that last year? Was yeah. that winter solstice, was it? Or? Yeah. That looked incredible. Absolutely incredible. We will make sure to do another one then. And actually, I am going to try and put something together for a summer one as well. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, maybe we'll do it at Stone Circle. It depends on the weather. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, I'm going to try my best to go to the next one like that that looked just absolutely amazing really did well yeah yeah i'm not gonna lie it was fun but hopefully <laughs> we'll get to do them on a bigger scale in the future not 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 to try and make them big but you know yeah yeah, yeah we'll see thanks man okay well it's been wonderful show. chatting to you i'll see you soon likewise okay slant <laughs> Ta-da.